Are you ready? All right. You ready, man? Mm-hmm. All right. Welcome to the Dr. Budgill Podcast. I mean, I really couldn't be more excited to have Kevin Curry here, who is, I mean, God, I think everybody knows who you are. You're a major uh, fitness influencer. Um, you're everywhere. I mean, you're all over social media. Mm-hmm. I know you from Instagram, but Facebook, yeah. YouTube. Uh, you have, an, I think, like one of the top apps in fitness. Uh, and, uh, you know, really what I love, I love your all of everything that you do. Like, I love all your content. I just think it's so Thank you. Together, the videos. I've actually been following you for, like, I don't know, a couple of years at this point. Um, do you cook anything, Doc? That's the thing. I actually hate cooking. <laughs> it's so fun, man. Uh, it is fun and easy. Uh, but, you know, there's so many parts about your story that I love. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you're cool, I just want to kind of dive into some of that stuff. So Let's first, go. Thank you so much for being here, man. I just want to you know, really express my gratitude to you, first of all. So I appreciate Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. It means a lot. Uh, so, you know, just knowing a little bit about you, because I've been actually like, you know, reading all kinds of stuff about you this past week. And it's amazing mm-hmm. to me because, you know, at first I thought you were like a fitness professional, you know, so I was like, mm. and you are, but I, I thought that was your backstory. Uh, but I didn't realize that, you know, you went to University of Texas at Austin. You have a degree from Harvard uh, mm-hmm. in, in government, which has like absolutely mm-hmm. nothing to do with what you're doing now. Um, and then you were working for Dell, like, mm-hmm. at, doing their social media stuff like before social media was as big as it is now. Right. And uh, then like yeah. brings you to, like, then you started like, I guess, you know, I have a very similar story. It was actually 2012 when okay. I started my own personal fitness transformation. Um, but you saw a picture of yourself on Facebook and you were like, dad, who is this guy? Like, you know, it's kind of yeah. me. And then you started a blog on Tumblr, just kind of sort of documenting your fitness journey. And yeah, you know, I, I'm sure you probably follow Gary Vee or know, Gary, know of Gary Vee. Mm-hmm. You, know, you basically made your side hustle your career. And right. I know that's a mouthful of stuff, but maybe if you could just speak yeah. a little bit about first, like your fitness transformation and like, you know, tell us a little bit about that journey for you. And then we can delve yeah. into sort of the social media stuff. All right, cool. Well, first off, no know that I'm a southerner so we love talking I can talk for hours so just cut me off doc if I'm just going too much all right so I'll try to keep it brief but um, around that time around the same time I guess that you were having your transformation I was going through one of my own I think mine started technically back in around 2009 2010 I started my blog though in the summer of 2012 but just like you perhaps and people out there listening to this I was just at a place where I just really wanted a change and I was tired of being caught in this hamster wheel or even like this roller coaster you go to ups and down ups and down and for me i was going through periods of being really like overweight and then really skinny i did what most people do i was trying just to out train a poor diet i didn't know how to eat and at the time i didn't know that it was the diet that was causing that problem so when i just buckled down and a trainer once asked me well what are you eating it was like one of those light bulbs that went off like yeah what am i eating and what am i not eating basically. Um, and so when I went to social media, um, I didn't have a lot of money at the time. So I went to social media to, to try to crowdsource my diet and kind of like game the system in a sense. So um, the whole idea was if I share out some recipes and maybe people out there like you, Doc, who know much more about health and wellness can tell me, Kev, that's good, but don't eat this. Do that, right? And the reverse happened. There are people out there who were just like me, who were just tired of bland, boring food. And I was at the point, too, about just reading it, but also believing that fundamentally it doesn't really make sense for us to be on Earth and to have all these amazing 
cuisines and foods and say, you can't eat it. So for me, it was all about how can I embrace the richness of, of this wealth of food here um, every single day and not have to miss it. And that's what I did. So I set out on this journey to become a lot more calorie conscious and to cook foods in different ways and to watch my portions. And so I taught myself those things. And like you said, I used Tumblr and the internet to go ahead and to crowdsource. And at the time, again, it, it was a side hustle trying to get some free advice. And it just exploded because there are people out there I didn't realize who were just like me who were looking for that same thing. Wow. So there's so much that you just said right there, man. Um, and I love it all. I just, mm -hmm. I want to kind of dive into a little bit more of like the details, man. So mm -hmm. I know like for me personally, when I, like it was 2012, I was almost 200 pounds, like 21% body fat. You know, I have three kids and with each kid, I gain weight and like, you know, and my wife always bounced right back and turned back to being her gorgeous self. <laughs> From this like fat, fat, flabby guy, the skinny fat guy, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, when I, and, and interestingly enough, like, and you mentioned this, I think somewhere that I read, I was actually working out from 2002 to 2012. I'd always been working out, but somehow I looked more like shittier and shittier every year. Yeah. I wasn't attentive to my diet. My workouts weren't really that, you know, weren't really like great, but my diet really, until I got my diet in check, that's the, that's when I started to see my body transform. <laughs> right. So initially, and I think you mentioned this, like a lot of times like when you're trying to get into shape and you see like, okay, what are bodybuilders eating? Or what are these fitness folks eating? And it's literally like grilled chicken breast, broccoli, <laughs> sweet potato. And it really, it's, it's, it's not sustainable. And yeah. I think that's part of, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to um, infer or you know, assume, but I think that's probably part of what motivated you to start exploring like other more tasty options. Yeah. Yeah, it did. You know, I was at this point where I had, first off, by this time I had, I had done dieting and, and failed at it so many times. You know, I had tried that whole, I'm only going to eat for fuel and not for taste. Yeah. And that only goes so far. Again, I'm from the South. I live in the South. I was born in Philly, but live in the South. So I grew up with good flavor. I knew what a cheese steak tasted like. And I also know what soul food tastes like. And I love like Mexican food. So I just couldn't get away from, you know, like, I couldn't compartmentalize the way that some of these athletes can about just, I'm going to eat for fuel and not for taste because I had grown up just to really love food. And also, again, I was at that point to realize that I don't think that this is the way that health looks like health is not a, a like sanitized version of food. It's just much more about preparing it in different ways and then watching our portion so that you can embrace the richness of it. Right. Yeah. That's, that's so well said. Yeah. And I think my own philosophy with food has kind of evolved, kind of like tracking specific macros, like, okay, I need to get this much protein, but still yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm eating and that sort of stuff, you know? Yeah. I, I went through that too. I, I feel like I was pretty, I'm not going to say manic. Well, maybe I was a little bit manic. I, I was really, really obsessive about that. Um, and I even recommend to people too, if they've never counted their calories or tracked their macros before, I think that 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 stuff is good. Now I took it to the extreme and I had so much anxiety. So here I was back in this time when I started to lose weight and very quickly, because all of a sudden I was like, Holy smokes, it is the food and the weight was now dropping off of me. I was working out for three hours a day. First off, prior to that worked out for a full year. The only thing that changed was my iPhone in my like transformation picture. That was the only thing that actually changed in it. I looked the exact same, but when I got my diet, right, everything began to fall off of me. So all of a sudden I went from like, this guy who had no concept of food to now 
everything about me is food, right? And I've got to be really careful. So I became, I went to the other part of the extreme where I actually had anxiety. I stopped eating out with my friends. I couldn't, I, I would bring my own food to my soul food Sundays, like with my parents, because I didn't want to break them, you know, to break them. So I think everything was good for me because I learned along the way um, and it pushed me to where I am right now, which is to have a balanced lifestyle. And I think that that's where everyone is intended to kind of, um, you know, like to end up, but you have to go through these periods in which you're like over here, you're eating everything and not counting it. And over here, you are counting it and you're much more conscious of it. So you can find out what is your in-between, like what's your normal. That's so well said, man. You know, I just I just finished uh, writing a book, which is kind of our mm. environment and hustling. But one chapter in it is devoted to like my own fitness transformation. I actually discuss how I literally would weigh every piece of food that I ate. And I would... <laughs> now I don't need to do that, but you ha almost have to go through that obsessive mm -hmm. level of understanding what you're putting into your body in order to be able to liberate yourself to not have to do that and still make progress, whether it be fitness progress, nutrition progress, whatever it is. So I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. And you're the only oh. other person I've ever heard say that, you know, like kind of like yeah. obsessive period to kind of get to where you're free and you know, you're. Yeah, you know, and also there's a lot of good that comes from that because I always tell people like one thing that you really need to do, especially people who actually have like an aversion to cooking or they're scared of cooking and they think that everything that's gonna make is gonna come out bad. Um, and particularly if you're at this point where you want to embrace all the food, being obsessive about it also teaches you the actual quantities. It actually increases your kitchen IQ, I call it, you know, you know, your competency, because now, like for instance, I love like peanut butter. When I began to weigh it out, actually, I had no idea. I was putting about five tablespoons of peanut butter, you know, for one serving. And it should be two. So when I measured out two servings, I'm like, holy smokes, this is an actual serving of peanut butter. Same thing goes with like rice and other, and other um, calorie dense foods. And so what you'll learn along the way is how to become competent and see that stuff. So that way in the future, it's not designed for you to stay there. It's designed for you to now be able to go out to a restaurant and be like, you know what, that's going to be a whole bunch. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm only going to eat. 75% of this part, I'm going to scoop the part to the side and just eat this part. So that way you can begin to mix and match your, you know, your diet. And that's how you have freedom from food. It's, it's so true, man. You know, it's like you can kind of eyeball like, okay, that's got like whatever, you know, 20 yeah. protein or whatever. Like you kind of get a sense of it. Uh -huh. Great. Um, so a couple of questions I want to ask you. One is, I mean, you obviously are like super talented in the kitchen. I mean, you're, the, everything that you make just looks incredible. Like, you know, like it's super gourmet. Were you always, I know you like went to Ecuador for like a semester, for a year abroad actually when you were in college yeah. and you were working in a restaurant. Did it like stem from that? Like your love for cooking or did you always love cooking? Cause I hate cooking, man. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You know, and I, even though it looks so fun when you do it, if someone prepped all that stuff and got everything prepared, yeah, I could get into it, man. Yeah. That goes into it, you know? And you know, it's almost like my wife, is a great is has evolved into becoming an amazing cook and she does she does all the steps and you know i think she <laughs> satisfaction from it like i just look at her when she's doing it, i'm like oh my god i don't know how she can do that you know it's so much yeah but did you always have a passion for that like did you always love cooking growing up uh no i loved eating growing up because my mama could cook and my dad could bake very well so i did that um and me going abroad to ecuador that was much more of just my love for culture and my love to and, and, and just my curiosity um, you know, itself. Um, 
Now, what got me into cooking was just cooking in general. It was pure desperation. So I was at a point where I didn't have a lot of money. So I was trying to make things work. I was on a really big like shoestring budget um, trying to put things together. And I also didn't have money to go ahead and pay a trainer. So I, I think that which is an interesting thing because like out of, out of resource limited like environments, can, it can really breed our best creativity. And so it was in that environment where I began to get into the kitchen. And here's the other thing too, whenever I was overweight, I didn't like what I saw in the mirror. I didn't feel, feel good about myself. Plus I had my own like mental health issues. So it was just like this big confluence of these different things going on in my life, right? So when I went into the kitchen, like what you just said about your wife, she just, you know, she derived some type of, type of like joy from it. What, what was revealed to me through cooking was therapy. Like just the fact that I could go in there and make something from start to finish, I was like, oh, Kevin, I'm proud of you. You actually did this meal, you know, especially if I'm struggling, you know, with like motivation and, and getting up and doing something. The fact that I could go into the kitchen and make something, I was proud of myself for doing that. So it's, you know, so that was good. The second part is that I was making calorie conscious food. Um, so that was doing something. I was feeding my body healthy food. So that made me feel better. And the third thing was like, I really got into it. Um, I said, well, let me make this look better. If I, go, if, if I put it out on the internet, I don't want to become like an internet meme being like, what in the world is that? And I want to be able to get good feedback. So it became like this game for me to make the food look presentable. And I was also under the, um, you know, I also believe that if we're, if we're going to be talking about healthy food, I had this personal challenge for some reason that I wanted to make healthy food look as sexy as possible. Like I, I wanted it to look as sexy as a big fat greasy burger. What if we could make healthy food look like that? How can we change the conversation about health and wellness and food? So that's why this stuff came out that way. I mean, you've definitely done that. Yeah, I'm sold mm -hmm. on anything that you cook. Like, damn. <laughs> Thanks. You know, not everything comes out the way we want it, but, you know, like, we definitely try to. We eat with our eyes first. Yeah. No, it's very <laughs> So talk to me a little bit about actually learning these things, though. So, like, you know, you, mm -hmm. you went to culinary school. I mean, did you go to culinary school? No. Um, I went to the school of being desperate. <laughs> all these are basically your recipes or, you know, does do you get steal some stuff from other people and kind of make your own tweak on it? Like how, I mean, this, the, the value yeah. of your portfolio of like, you know, what's what you cook. It's insane. Yeah. That's is built up like over the years. And a lot of it, a lot of the inspiration comes from how I got started. So when I got started on this journey, I wanted to eat food that I really liked. So, um, I would go out to eat at different restaurants and I was like, Ooh, I like this. I wonder if I can turn this into a meal prep, if I could turn this into something that's healthier for me every single day. And I would spend time on sites like the, my fitness pal to calculate the macros to make sure I was like, maybe this could actually work for my macros. Um, and so a lot of the inspiration from the recipes come from things that I actually eat or I've tasted that I want to eat like every single day, which is why, um, I always get a lot of flack for this. Well, some flack on the users. They're like, you don't post anything with like salad dressings or like vinegar or like Brussels sprouts people love. I hate all those foods. I hate, I can't stand those foods. So I genuinely only post stuff that I like to eat every once in a while. Like I'm like, okay, twist my arm, Kevin, try this out. 
Um, but I think that's the beauty of health and wellness. And it just goes to show too, like you said, you've got tons of recipes. When people say there's nothing to eat, the, you, can make, you can make a lot of different things. It's just about opening yourself up and getting out there and trying new things. Yeah, I love that, man. Um, you know, I, I, one of the things, there's two things that I really want to ask you. So one, one is, this is from my own personal experience. Like when you undergo like a, a massive physical transformation, like, you know, you really actually have ownership of the way you feel and the way that you look. Um, it's like an incredibly empowering thing, you know, it really, and it's yeah. some, from some pretty dark places to being really empowered. <laughs> that really kind of filters out into other aspects of your life, whether it be your career, your relationships, you really have a sense of control. Well, I, yeah. That like, wow, you can really control the trajectory of your life. And, you know, for me, yeah. incredibly empowering. And it really like helped me in so many other parts of my life. Now, all of this sort of coincided with, I mean, I, again, I'm just going by things that I've read. You'll clarify but with you kind of saying, you know what, like things are picking up. I'm starting to gain traction on social media. I have this job where I'm a little bit uninspired and I think I can actually make a career of fit men cook. Um, do you think that fitness transformation that you had empowered you to take that leap and know that if the effort was put into that part of your life, that it would be success as successful as it is? Um, the fitness journey definitely helped out. And I have this joke that I always tell. Um, I did, you know, like my followers, whenever we're in person together, um, about the, what is that, what, what did I call it? It was one of the consequences of healthy eating in that, and healthy living is that it's synergistic. So it takes a lot of strength to say no to the snicker bar or to the candy bar and yes to the apple. And once you realize that you can do those things and, and things are happening for you, you get really motivated. That's why, I hope this doesn't come out wrong. That's why when people lose maybe like, 10 pounds or five pounds, all of a sudden they're like these life coaches because they're just so excited about, oh, I did this over here and I can do this over there. So you see how you can take those skills mm -hmm. that you had to be in a discipline and apply them to other areas of your life. So yes, it did help, but I'll clarify for you. I was not looking to do this at all. Um, it, was, it was kind of a spare of the moment like decision um, but those things that I was learning, the discipline that I was learning definitely helped out. Um, for me, it was much more of a curiosity thing. I was like, what if this could be something more? Because all along people were telling me, just do this full time, do this and do that. Um, but I wasn't there yet, but I still had this idea in the back of my mind. I was like, well, what if, what if there is something there, Kevin? What if you can do something and you like the fact that, the fact that it was, at the time that I quit my job to do this full time, I had like kind of run my course like with my company and Dell was an amazing company and they support passion projects, but I just was not in love with the work that I was doing anymore. And I was in love with the fact that I could post a recipe and somebody in another country could be like, I just tried out the recipe and it was great. All of a sudden I was connected to the value that I was creating in the world. So that just kind of struck me a lot more and I began to, you know, spend more and more time online where that consumed my life because that's my passion. So when the time got, so when the time came for me to quit my job, it was much more of a, you know what, stop wondering. And I had a great conversation. I'm not sure if you've heard this story before. I'll share it for your listeners. Um, at the time that I quit my job to go and do Fitman Cook, I had a job from Google. They had seen some of the stuff that I was doing, I guess. And, um, I got flown down. I got the offer from Google. 
Um, and it was going to be a great package. And I went back to my old boss who I worked for right before I joined Dell. And he gave me some of the best life advice, which is probably, I'd say 85% of the reason why I went and changed course. He said, first off, everybody in this office keeps talking about this thing called Fitman Cook. I don't even know what it is, but we're, we're proud of you. Secondly, you walked away from our company two years ago and I'd hire you back today. Um, you're very smart, you're talented, um, so just know that. Um, he said, but I don't think that's what we should be talking about here. If you have a job from Google right now, then that means, and you're asking me if you should take it, that means that you don't want that job at Google. I don't know what this Fitman Cook thing is, but I would say this. You need to go and do this Fitman Cook thing because at the end of the day, you want to be able to sit your grandkids down on your knee and you want to say, here's this thing called Fitman Cook. Here's how I effed it all up <laughs> or here's how I did it well. Go and do something much better. And he spoke directly to what had been holding me back, which was the haunting, like the what if, what if, what if. And he reminded me of this one simple fact and this one thing that sometimes you got to take a gamble on yourself and step into your own dopeness and awareness of dopeness. And it's not a cocky or arrogant thing, but you got to realize that you've got something inside of you that's so great that even if it doesn't work out this time, you're going to go and do something else. You got to bet on yourself. And that really spoke to me and I, and I took that advice and I ran with it. That's amazing advice. That really, <laughs> I, I never heard that story. And that's really, it's amazing. It's amazing that there's to have people like that in your life. You know, there's been a few yeah. that kind of had that impact on me as well. And, you know, it's even like my fifth grade teacher, you know, like it's, you know, just so many years later, these yeah. little stick in your head. And it's, it's a, amazing how one little conversation can change the whole, entire trajectory of your life. I love that, man. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Were you monetizing Fitman Cook already at that point? Like, when did that start to happen? Yeah, I monetized this a little bit. So, um, I had a when I got ready to quit my job, what I had done was I had I wasn't really involved in social media at the time, so I had a little bit of money saved up from another thing that I was doing in social media. It was like some fitness account, and I just went ahead and I sold it to some company who really wanted to run it, and I was like, great. So they gave me, I think at the time it was like fifteen thousand dollars. Um, and I had that money with me and that was all my money and I had no like safety net, didn't have a lot of savings. Um, and I said, all right, Kev, you're going to take this money and you're going to make this, you're going to see if you can make this work. So you have six months to figure it out. The $15,000 was going to be able to cover my rent for about six months, you know, give or take, um, and groceries. So I was on a really tight budget. Um, what year is this? I, this is 2014. Okay in a really tight budget so I'm like all right Kev you can take this and and see and at the time because I was working like full-time over at Dell I was getting like some brand deals you know um at about 50 percent capacity right so I was I was reasoning that like all right Kev if you were able to make this at 50 capacity what happens if you increase this a little bit more a little bit more until you're at 100 percent what could you do what does that mean exactly like for yeah so it, you know, it meant that first off, my primary job was over at the computer company doing stuff like that, but, and I could dedicate 50% of my time to my passion project. So the deals, I think my first deal, gosh, I think my first deal was with, and I didn't even know you could make money from this stuff, which is amazing to me, was with the coconut oil company. And they asked me to use their products and they gave me like, I think it was around $500. 
to make it. And I just thought, I was like, holy smokes, they're going to pay me all that? Wow. Just to do... One off, like here's 500 bucks and you post... Like, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and then, um, you know, they gave me more money to do, to do more posts. And I just like the biggest, the craziest thing ever. And then I think I got like one more. Um, so I just realized that like, all right, Kev, you're, you're doing this and just when you're coasting and you're comfortable like right now, you don't have high rent. Um, you're not married. So if you're going to do something right now, maybe it's, now's the time to go ahead and do it before you have other people involved in this. So that's what I was um, thinking about. And um, I don't know what it was. I, I, I think that um, I'm a very faith-based person too. And I think that like sometimes whenever you, whenever you say yes to that nagging sensation inside of you, that's like, go and do this It's your passion, something else kind of unlocks. And that day when I quit my job and I announced on social media, I said, all right, I just did something totally radical. I quit my job today. And everyone's like, congratulations. And you're going to do so well. And I don't know what it was because everything just happened so suddenly, but it was like deal after deal after deal after deal after deal after deal. Cause I was right where I needed to go ahead and be. Um, but it, that stuff didn't come until after I made the decision. So whether you could say it was maybe that social media post that companies were like, now he's free. I don't think it was that. I just think that was just, I feel like it was much more like divine in a sense that like things just begin to happen and fall into place. It was the universe, man. <laughs> So um, at that time, like when you made that post, how many followers did you have on Instagram? Oh, God. At that time, I had, um, it's hard to remember, but I would say in this, maybe about, I'd say between, I'd say around three to 400,000 followers. Okay. So you had a huge account. Had a huge yeah. Account. Um, mm -hmm. Your account is huger, huger, huger now. <laughs> Um, but I, you know, I just, it just brings me to like another point. Like a lot of folks see where you are now and even mm -hmm. where you were at that point, having such a significant following and like, okay, wow, well, you know, this guy can take this plunge now because he's got so many followers and he's got, you know, mm -hmm. like there's a way that he could potentially monetize this. But what folks don't see is between 2012 and 2014 when, when this happened, the amount of work that you were putting into it, posting every day, probably filming your own videos, editing them yourself, putting Not them- probably. Yeah, right? So <laughs> the amount of hours that you were putting in mm -hmm. to quote unquote side hustle in your passion project was probably more than you were actually putting into your real nine to five job, you know? And Correct. <laughs> Which is another reason why I, had, why I felt compelled to quit. Yeah. <laughs> But the, but the but the point is is that I'm trying to make is that you know it looks like oh wow well, this guy's he's got it made he's like you know he's cooking all this stuff on Instagram and like you know he's made a whole career out of it but God that midnight oil that you burned to even be able to think in your mind that you could step away from a day job and maybe make a career out of something else which was a gamble still at that point you didn't know that you were gonna get a million offers mm -hmm. when you when you decided to do that right but yeah. You know, laid a significant amount of groundwork down to make it a possibility like that. Hey, you know, like I put so much effort into this project that, you know, maybe there is a chance there. Yeah. And people, yeah. Were talking about there was a buzz that was developed. Can you just talk, talk a little bit about, about that? Cause I think that's something that a yeah. lot of these days, seeing all these influencers and all this stuff on Instagram and social media, like, okay, there, that's what I'm going to do. You know, like I want to be an influencer. Yeah. Great. But do you know how much work it takes to be able to yeah. create content, make good quality content and, you know, engage with your following, 
you know, all of that stuff. It takes a huge amount of time, man. Yeah. Thank you for asking that question. I think it's a really great question. I think it's one that's overlooked often and we get, and I get a lot of things now in the inbox asking for advice on, on starting up, but, um, and people always want to know like what camera are we using? What lighting? And I, and I always respond, you just need to use your iPhone. That's the best way to start and um, just start doing and being consistent. So, um, Fun fact, I haven't revisited this in so long, but one 15-second video for Instagram when I was doing it back in 2014, when the video finally dropped, um, it took me 12 hours to do one of those 15-second videos. Um, having to film the recipe, Say that it took again. about, it took 12 hours. To make a 15-second video. To make a 15-second video of a recipe that I didn't know whether or not people were actually going to like or not. Um, we had, I had to write up the recipe myself and then I had to film it, but you know, I photograph it with my phone, but then also with a DSLR camera because that stuff had to go to the website. So then once the film, once the video was filmed, um, then I had to, um, go and save it to my phone, edit it, put it together, make sure it was in the, you know, the right segments because it, God, it was so hard to get that down. So editing for me. It took me about two hours to do that. Then I had to write up the recipe and then translate that recipe in Spanish myself um, and then put the subtitles into, into the video as well and then upload it and then create a caption for it because of, for some reason people hate reading um, and they will not read at all. So I had to put everything inside the caption still um, to go ahead and get it up. And so that was, there were a lot of late nights um, it was a very frustrating time. It was a very lonely time as well. It was a lot of me saying no to people. I can't go out and feeling stuck because I really wanted to not be home editing videos. I really wanted to not be doing that. And I was resentful um, for this place I had, had put myself in. And there are all these people who were thanking me. Oh my God, we love this. We love the video. And thank you so much. And then but at the same time, like behind the scenes, I'm also kind of loathing the process a little bit. Um, because it just how much it took from me. And now looking back, I'm like, well, you know what? Well, thankfully it was, you know, I made the right decision to go and do those things. But they're, I'm saying all that because it comes at a really big cost oftentimes. And people just don't see that. They see the instant success overnight. And it wasn't that. They didn't see the fights with the girlfriend and breaking up because they think that she thinks that you care about this stuff more than her. And it's not that I'm trying to build a life and you don't see the, the fights either, or people try to minimize like the work that you do or, or laugh at you, um, you know, for that. Um, so it comes at a big, it came at a big cost. So my stuff is not overnight. Um, and it's funny being in this quarantine right now, and we're out of the studio. We just got back into the studio and I decided to close it because quarantine, but now we're open again. But I went back home and I was doing stuff on my phone and I told my assistant, we need to open up studio as soon as possible because I'm feeling like I am, like I was back in 2014. Like I'm constantly on the go. If we're not doing IG live, I'm editing a video like on my phone. I'm writing stuff up for the website. I'm going back to this person. It's just, it's a lot. Um, so, I've come to appreciate creators, the small ones and the really big ones. Um, and just know that the stuff that people may see at the end of the day that looks all sparkly and shiny, it didn't start out that way. Yeah. And um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, so. it's always, a, it's always a grind, man. You know, even like, you know, this yeah. 
and then we edited this down and you know now i have a yeah. team of myself and one person like you know we we go at it together but it's uh it's a it's a lot of work but yeah i think it's important for people to understand that like you know like yeah we really do make it look so easy um yeah well you know that's that's intentional because it is easy because I work with passionate people. Like the videographer is very passionate about his craft. I'm very passionate about my, about my craft. I don't work with people who actually don't like something. I like to work with people who I can feed off their energy and you off mine. Um, but you know, it's, that's by design because, because we, we want to bring people into the conversation and I want to attach the energy and enthusiasm of like healthy living to whatever content that we're putting out. So that's all you know, a part of it. Um, but yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. And what people don't know is that actually I've been doing this now for what, like seven years, I guess. I said, no, eight years, 2020. Um, this is the first time, like just these last two years is the first time I've actually not filmed my own videos myself and edited. Now we have the editor now. And even still, what you see like behind the scenes is the video comes out, but you don't see the back and forth between me and him online saying, I don't like that cut, do this over, I wanna show this food, we need to bring the energy up right here. So I'm still like dialed in, I just don't have to be on the computer doing it. Yeah, it's funny that you say that, because even if you have someone who's doing editing and videography, like, you know, I, like for me, I'm still editing every subtitle, I'm still like, yeah, <laughs> it's still involved, it's still your project, you know? It's your baby, you got to man hey but can you talk to me a little bit about what your team is right now so like you, yes. like for your social media stuff and like and maybe like how like you kind of involve yourself with each platform like how often are you posting to youtube are you using like a macro piece of content cutting it into micro content for like say instagram yeah. or you know like what what is your model yeah so before it was it was a different model but now i think it's just we're trying to get the content out this content is king and we've noticed that there's just been an incredible opportunity for engagement on like Instagram. So we kind of focused in on that, but we broadcast out to the other platforms. Um, and it just began to be too much for me just personally, like responding to comments on every single one. Um, so right now we will film for YouTube and then splice it up for Instagram and for Facebook. And we experiment with like a longer form content on, on YouTube, putting much more of our back end conversation in there, making it fun. Sometimes people like it, sometimes they hate it, but it's okay. Um, we like it. And which is another thing, this is a side comment about the whole, the amount of time that it takes to go ahead and do stuff. This is why don't, if you're starting, if you want to start something, don't do it because, well not don't do it, but be cautious of doing it just because of what you think that you're going to gain in terms of like, you know, like followers and notoriety, because if people don't catch on to your idea and latch on to it, then your passion dies with it. So make sure that your project that you're doing is going to be passion driven. So that way, at the end of the day, even if the likes don't come and the engagement is not there right away or at all, you still like your product. You still are in love with that. And that's going to keep you going. Um, now, back to the conversation. Now, my team looks like my videographer, and he's also like an editor. Um, I've got an operations manager also doubles as my personal assistant. He travels with me and does all the coordination for, um, you know, like for things all like Fitman cook, a liaison, liaising with our different partners. Um, and then I have a business manager and he's actually out of Minnesota and he handles all the partnerships and he does travel with me as well. Um, we've gone into spices into other products. And so I've got a business partner um, and he helps to manage all that. 
And then as far as our Spanish speaking wing, that's uh, hugely important to me because uh, when you look at, you know, the rates of, um, you know, like heart disease and, and like obesity, they're really high in the black and brown communities. So Spanish is just always going to be there. So she helps to translate all the stuff now. So I don't have to in real time. Sure. Um, so we can keep that going. You're fluent. You're fluent. Yes. Yes, but it just it's just um, a lot whenever you're having to write up something and then you got to do it and just send it to listen to her real quick and she does it right there. In fact, just right now she popped up another caption for something else that we've got to post later on today. So we kind of keep the engine moving. Um, and oh, and I also had we also now have a writer, um, and this is a guy. And you know what? All right, so the guy is from Canada. But it's really funny. He's but he watches everything that I do. He follows my stories and he's watched me in interviews so much now that he knows my voice. It's really weird. People so so he can respond just like me and all my little mannerisms, the way I talk. He's just perfect at it and he gets the context, he gets the food. What I'll say, especially with his position, is that whenever you're building a team, you're not gonna maybe have your A team day one. Like there have been a lot of people to come and go. I've gone through quite a few like videographers, um, editors. I've gone through translators. I've gone through writers, gone through business managers, gone through, you know, gone through like assistants. Um, so you're not going to always land on that. And that was a really frustrating piece for me because I felt like, why can't I get it right? right now, um, now, now, I, now looking back, I'm like, oh, I wasn't really supposed to. I was supposed to finally land on the people that actually should be here. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. You know, I'm a dermatologist, you know, and so like I run, mm-hmm. I have employees and have two offices and the biggest, the hardest part is manage, is finding the right team. But you, <laughs> then, you know, it's like literally finding, you know, like a, a diamond in the rough, you know, but it's tough. It's yeah. hard business is finding the right part of your team. And you know, your needs are going to change too. Like as time goes Ooh, on. That's so good. Like, you know, this, you probably you didn't need a writer like five years ago, you know, but now you need, like, <laughs> it, the truth is like, you know, you yeah. Business manager, you probably didn't need one in, like at the very beginning, but now there's so yeah. you're on TV all the time. There's just so much shit going on that yeah. you have like people to help you actuate. Yeah. Oh, and also your your scope of what you do, though your, your reach is increased. Like I mean, God, fourfold at least since you know that initial you know yeah. time when you were like really kind of getting grooving. So yeah. Go ahead. Um, I think sometimes people are scared to kind of grow into that role or just I think the people just want to get to the end result faster and they just don't let the process like you got to just grow into something and for me even though you brought the business manager that was that was a really hard decision for me because first off I don't want to people are paying me money why am I going to split that with somebody else I can keep doing this I can keep doing it until all of a sudden I can't and things are falling through the cracks and people are emailing me and angry like what happened to this piece of content and what are you doing about this and then and, then, and then I'm getting angry now I'm like well it's not even asking me I'm like well Kev this can all be handled <laughs> you don't have to be the one to liaise with people and it and it makes sense to have somebody else to do it so you don't have to be perhaps you know the jerk or you know the hard boil you can just focus on content so are they your agent? Is the business manager kind of like an agent? Um, legally, I mean, there are like legal protections around that term, like agent versus manager. But um, I guess for people to understand, yeah, they can go out and help out with pitches and whatnot. And brands, when they approach, they help to manage that deal gotcha. all the way through. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but it just makes sense. That, so, you know, don't be afraid of the growth and you don't need a business manager, you know, like, you don't need everyone like on, on day one. And I kind of, 
and this may be some bad advice, but sometimes you just kind of have to smell smoke a little bit to know, all right, I need to go and get somebody else to go and do this. Don't let the house burn down. But that sometimes can kind of push you, plan for it and know that it's coming. But oftentimes that's like the best lesson to know when it, it's time. Yeah. You need to go ahead and take your hands off of it and let it grow. And um, as a creator, and especially I'm guessing that you probably know this as well because you're a doctor, but now you're in this creative space that you have a certain way that you like to go and do things, yeah. that you have a certain look and feel that you really want. And as a creator, that's so important that you protect that. And what I've learned over the years really now is that the more that you let go, it actually enhances your ability to create because people can come in and help you out. Um, but we just are so used to doing, our, you know, hands on, hands on, and we don't allow our idea to breathe. Now I'm like, do everything for me. I don't want to do anything. I'll just show up and tell you what I dislike or like and move. So there's that process too, that like at some point you're going to have to let go of doing everything so that way your idea and your passion can grow. Yeah, there's so many things you just said there that I've gotten to on forever, but I don't, I don't, I can't keep you all here all day. But one thing I want to say is, you know, it's, I love the phrase like, you know, and I use this all the time, you don't get into shape to get out of shape. It's not like, you know, you mm -hmm. work so hard and you get like in great shape and they're like, okay, now I'm going to just eat like crap and, you know, not exercise. It's sort of the same thing. Like you don't grow your platform or grow your influence to like let it dissolve, you know, <laughs> uh, like how, you know, your needs change as time went on and you added people to your team as time went on. Yeah. Um, which I think is just such a valuable point because a lot of people think, first of all, you can't hit the ground running when it comes to something, anything creative yeah. in general, like, you know, to become a doctor, to get into shape, to, you know, lose weight, whatever it is, there's a grind that's associated with it. And mm -hmm. yet, so you got to get to the end zone before you know what you need when you're at the end zone, you know? Yeah. Um, I agree. Yeah, and I, and I love that. And I think that's just such a valuable point, you know? Um, yeah. And, you know, I think your platform, really, I mean, your story, I think just, it's something that I think will resonate. I mean, you're so far down the line, you know, for, you know, in terms of like the success and, like, and your brand and everything that you've accomplished. Um, but it's really inspirational, man, especially for like, you know, Thank you. hearing your story. And I love hearing, I love hearing the nuggets behind it. Like, you know, the... Mm -hmm. The struggles and like you know how it you know like you're being your honesty man i really admire it and your energy i love it i love it man thank you i appreciate that you know uh, i'm still learning like every single day i do not have to figure it out i tell my team all the time i'm gonna fake it till i make it and i'm gonna i don't know what i'm doing but I, we're gonna figure it out together that's um that part i'm actually pretty confident in that we can problem solve pretty well so let's just embrace the challenges as they come and just know that we're gonna write things down in pencil <laughs> Um, the only thing that's written in pen around here are just our core values. So, um, and, and that's a really important part to come, you know, to, to really have. Um, for the person out there who's listening to this and maybe, I don't know, I'm sure who this is geared toward, but maybe you've been thinking about something. And um, first off, during this pandemic and during this quarantine is um, maybe an amazing time to really kind of just put some traction behind that idea. Um, know that you're not going to get it all like figured out on day one. Um, but give your, give yourself the space and the capacity to grow into what it is that you really, really want. Um, and that's something that I wish that I would, you know, that I would have told like my former self, um, to do because I was so hard on myself about wanting everything to be perfect on day one and do this and that, and it really shouldn't be that way. So, hey, two, two, two last things before I let you go. Yeah. 
One is you mentioned core values. Um, mm -hmm. Before we get into that, one of the other things that you mentioned in, in your last comment was how like you're, you're now sort of delegating more and listening to people more when it comes to yeah. stuff that's going on with your business. Yeah, one of the things that really, that, you know, the saying, these are all like old sayings, but like, you know, you never want to be the smartest person in the room. And mm -hmm. right. There are people that do, you know, like, you know, you're still you and you're, you're brand yeah. new, but there's other people that might say, hey, you know what, there's a better way to do this. And right. More efficient way to do it. And you may be able to touch more people if you try it this way. And right. I think for someone like, and you mentioned like, you know, for any of us, maintaining control is such a big part of you know, sort of advancing in your mind what you th you know you think in your mind you know <clears throat> what you need to do but you know, we don't you know there's other yeah people who know like you know like there's one of uh, my friends he uses the phrase success leaves clues you know and like mm. someone who's done it may know how to help you get there faster or more efficient right. or exert less energy you know so you touched on that I just wanted to kind of you know reiterate that and then the core values thing you know and that's something that really is important to me so like you know a couple of years ago. I sat down and I said, you know, what are, all of these things were sort of important to me. There were things that were important to me, but I never sat down and said, hey, what are these core values? Like, what defines me? What defines my business? What defines me personally and professionally? And I sat down for like a day and I thought about it. So, you know, for me, it's care and compassion, mm -hmm. and accountability and attention to detail. Those four things are the core values that dictate my life professionally, mm -hmm. personally. And, you know, you mentioned core values and that's one thing that doesn't change. Like, what are the core values of Fit Men Cook? Yeah. Um... Fundamentally, um, one is that health and wellness is attainable, you know, to each and every person out there. So um, diabetes and heart disease doesn't care what color, religion, what gender, um, preference that you, you know, you know um, have. It just attacks everybody. And so we need to definitely approach our content, you know, the exact same way and make sure that we're casting a, a, a wide net. Um, also, like a, a core value is that fundamentally, you know, food has to taste good, but at the end of the day, it needs to be calorie conscious. And, uh, and no matter how much, you know, we want to push the needle here. And I even, I, I even tell myself there are some recipes that I don't want to ever like revisit because I felt that like I pushed the needle a little bit too much. And that wasn't a part of like who I am. Um, and then, you know, another one too, is just to, <sighs> this isn't really a core value. This is an exercise, you know, that I do and that I, encourage the team also to do which is um remember who you were and who you are today and how would you speak to yourself back then and that's been increasingly more difficult for me because i've gotten better at cooking i've gotten more, more techniques and so sometimes i'm doing something people are like that was too hard or why'd you do that for yada yada and i'm like oh my god people it's not hard oh my god and you know and I remember, you know, like one person, uh, I, I shared a mashed potato like recipe and somebody asked me, well, do you have to cook potato first? And I'm like, of course you have to cook the potato. Good luck sitting on it all day. That would a you know, and then I'm sitting there laughing about it. And then in my quiet, that uh, that. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and then in my quiet time, I was like, did you know that answer to that question beforehand? And when you're so desperate, so I routinely have to remind myself of that. And how I do that today is that when things actually really inspire me or when people send me great stories, um, I save them. So I can go back to 2012. I'll look at old social media posts. I'll look at old like, emails and I'll remember what I was doing at that time. And I remember that person who I was. So that way that never gets lost. So that way at the end of the day, Kevin, what are you doing here? 
you know, I can go back to this. And it's so good because this also happens. I don't care how passionate you feel right now. I don't care if you are like Gary V times 10 and you screaming up and doing backflips every single day. First off, that's what Gary V allows you to see. There is one day, it could be tomorrow, it could be five years from now, or it could be next week. You're going to wake up and you're going to question why you're doing what you're doing and you're not going to feel as motivated. It's not me being cynical, it's just me being real. We all go through this. Having those that bank, having something to go back to, to remind you of your core values of who you are, that's what's going to pull you out of that hump and get you going again. I love that, man. I think that's a good place to close out, man. I mean, listen, I just, I know we went way over your time, man. And no, it's all great, Doc. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed this conversation, man. I really enjoyed getting to know you better, man. So you're a great, you're that's an inspiring human, man. And that's what this is. This that's what this podcast is really all about, man. Just you know, spreading some Beautiful. positivity, empowering people. And I don't think when it comes to nutrition, man, I can't think of one person that empowers people more than you do. So you know, oh, you're so kind. Thank you, Doc. I really appreciate that. Seriously, it means a whole lot to you know for that to come from you. Seriously, so thank you very much for what you do. Appreciate it, my man. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Mudgill podcast. The corresponding video can be found on YouTube, IGTV, and Facebook. Let's get it.